99 times we've been able to go ahead and do this. What's one more? It's TDT 100, Boss Ross, the J-Man, Gorilla Style, J-Man's Compound, because we don't have a studio because of quarantine. TDT 100 starts in 3, 2, 1, boom. What has this world come to? Let me tell you. You know what it's come to? Me driving out to the J-Man's house to record basically underground radio at this point. That's exactly what it feels like. Because you asked for it, and we're going to deliver. Because this is the much-anticipated... At least on our half. Episode 100. I'm not going to lie. It's quite the accomplishment. It really is. We've already uh, We've already had a couple of our... Fellow podcasters, wish us congratulations for reaching this milestone. It took a lot of work. Sure did. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, when we started this thing, I actually did not know that we were going to get to this point. That was crazy. Um, not to say that I didn't think we could. I just knew that with schedules and lifestyles and just the wrestling business in general, I didn't know... If we would get our groove to the point where we wouldn't have to tear it down and start again. Mm -hmm. And I mean that in the most sensible way. Yeah. Because we've literally planned the show, or we tried to plan the show, like six weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And then, quite frankly, uh, my job and my schedule and my life changed. Um, there are other things that are going on in the J-Man's life that are going to change up some things as well. And let's be honest, we're living in a world where places are getting shut down because of a virus. Yeah. I'm not trying to make this political at all. That is not my goal. I'm simply saying that as of right now, normally, I would say we would try to be recording this in a studio that we've been doing it for the last 60 or 70 episodes. Yeah, uh, uh, over a year. So, but unfortunately, the place where I work, uh, we are not allowed to have guests in our building right now. So, by that standard, it's back to, okay, do we do this episode? Do we wait? Do we do it remotely where it's a different quality, where Mm -hmm. it's a different show inherently because this is going to be more um, freeform than almost any one of our other shows, to be perfectly honest. This is this is going way back in the archive. It sure is. And so when you have a show like this in an environment like this, there's really only one thing you can talk about. Actually, there are two things you can talk about. You can talk about what's presently going on, mm-hmm. which is the fact that WrestleMania 36 that was supposed to be in Tampa at Raymond James Stadium is now happening at the Performance Center. And the outcome of shows being either canceled, suspended, moved, or have no fans, Mm -hmm. and that's across wrestling and sports and basically life, or we can make this a special episode, which we chose to do, about a topic in general with wrestling that we really wanted to dive into. We really had two choices. We were either going to do WWE and AEW, 
how they could be better, how they're similar, where their growth is. There are several angles to that. For sure. And eventually, I would like to do that show. Yeah. Eventually. And eventually, first of all. And second of all, we actually, we, we did talk about some of those similarities when Tom, from, uh, the Thunderous Wizard from Hops and Box Office Flops came on with us a couple, uh, about a month and a half back. We were able to go ahead and dive into it a little bit, not to the extreme that we really wanted to, mm-hmm. but we did get that opportunity. And but, but at the same time, we wanted to go ahead and do it justice. But basically what we've come to the agreement on is that Ross and I have been a, a team from the very get-go. And what ba- what better way for a team to establish the greatness of what we represent than by talking about other teams. And this is why after so much deliberation, we decided, listen, I think that episode 100, the best way to go about it is discussing factions. Ross is a WCW savant. WCW gets WCW 2000 gets mentioned on every episode, regardless if it's three count, regardless if it's a review or a preview of a program. WCW in 2000, in some capacity, always gets mentioned. And when you talk about WCW, the only thing that you can always bring up, I mean, of course, you can bring up the cruiserweights and you can bring up Sting and you can bring up Diamond Dallas Page, but it's always the NWO, who in many people's eyes, in, oh, sorry, let me say it this way. In many people's eyes, mm-hmm. they're the greatest faction of all time. In everybody's eyes, they're top three. Like That's the way that you have to look at it. Well, when you, when you talk about the NWO, right, mm-hmm. this being the original incarnation, not Nash, saying... Hogan, Hall. Correct. Not saying that when they grew their numbers, things were not still going well for a while. Right. But when you think of... Hogan, Hall, and Nash, right? You think of not only a power group, you think of a group that changed the face of professional wrestling. It changed the landscape entirely. It changed how factions were done. It changed how storylines were done. It changed how well things were pushed for one single entity over a long period of time. It also ushered in the cool heels. Yeah. Right? WWF's response to NWO was directly degeneration. Was DX. That was the response. It's true. You know? And I think what you're going to see with uh, WWE and AEW specifically mm-hmm. is I'm not going to say you're going to see counter-programming. But if you look, I mean, what are what are the what are the big groups right now in AEW? The Inner Circle. Inner Circle. Got Dark Order. Mm-hmm. Those are the two big ones. Right. And then you've got that The Elite. You've got, of course, the Elite. Yeah. Right. And then there are some other things that are happening. In which that was my phone, and I it's apologize. Hopefully that's not anything too pertaining. So when it comes to factions, mm-hmm. right? There have been some major hits. There have been some major blunders. For sure. But what is consistent about particularly the factions we're going to mention today is the time that they were in focus. There are specific things that would happen in order for them to be effective in what they would do. Now, for instance, some people would say, well, a good faction at some point has to hold all the belts or a lot of the belts. Exactly. Or show some type of power or in some instances, just the world title. Right? Right. 
Not always, hey, we've got a tag team and we've got a mid-card guy and we've got a world title. Although it works that way because you have smaller numbers and it's easier storylines. Mm. But in case of, say, like the NWO, it was Hollywood Hogan as the world champion. Sure, the Outsiders had the belt. Sure, Six-Pac, or X-Pac as he would be known in WWF, had the cruiserweight title. And sure, you had other entities, but that whole group was centered around Hollywood Hogan being the world champion. Absolutely. The Horsemen. Ric Flair Flair being a world champion. Now, of course, they had the Andersons. They had the tag belts. They had all that stuff. But it was predominantly around one idea. The original incarnation of D-Generation X was centered around Shawn Michaels being the World Wrestling Federation champion with Triple H being in the mid-card and China was their bodyguard. China wasn't even in the women's division Mm -hmm. because, I mean, to be fair, the late 90s, the women's division is not what it is today. Was there some people that were very good in that women's division? Sure, of course there were. You had China. You had Trish Stratus when she came along. You had Lita. You had Jacqueline. You know, you had a few of these ladies. But when you looked at China, China was, first of all, so far and above that women's division. Mm-hmm. She was her own entity where she was actually wrestling more of them. She was what Beth Phoenix kind of ended up being in a, in a, in a certain way mm-hmm. where she was so dominant that she would be placed with the men every once in a while. That's why mm-hmm. you saw her be with Santino and actually like have a program with him and all that good stuff. But D-Generation X did the exact same thing. Evolution did that for Triple H. Legacy did that for Randy Orton. Yes. So... What we're going to do throughout this show, essentially, that was a nice little tease that we just did right Mm -hmm. there, is we're going to talk about certain factions and, one, what made them successful, two, a lot of times a lot of these groups had longevity, Yeah. and three, what did we get out of it in the wrestling community that either makes them memorable or, in some cases, maybe even transcendent to making it what it is. So... Before we dive into it, let's do some cheap plugs while we're at it. Of Might course, well. you can find this show, the Double Turn Podcast, on our Instagram pages, the Double Turn Podcast, Ross the Boss, Ross the Boss eighty five. Ross, no, I'm Ross, sorry, the, Ross real the real boss. boss yeah, See, I'm all over the place. I'm so jumbled. My life is like in chaos. I've never seen you stumble so hard on that before. It's okay though. Boss, I'm not gonna judge the real boss, eighty five. <laughs> the one and only J Man nineteen. That is our Instagram. Yeah. Now let's see if I get this right. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Castbox, the Anchor app. Pocket Cast is the last See, one. See, I Every always forget time. one. It's, I it's always, always one of the smaller ones, but it's no big deal. It's okay. Always. Always. And not to mention, please go ahead and even though he does nothing on it, please go check out Boss <laughs> Ross TDT on Twitter because <laughs> just because life. Because life, because we need the extra people following on there, but I really need Ross to hey, go ahead and step hey, it up on his Twitter. Episode 99, I got a retweet on our episode six minutes after I dropped it. Really? Who retweeted that? Retweet. Who do you even know who it was? I'm just telling you, there was a retweet. All right, fair yeah. enough. That's, I'll take it. Okay, take it. I'll take a retweet. It's it's it's, it's right. pretty much become a theme on this show that this I always true. miss one, and I have you corrected. Perhaps I'm doing it on purpose. Maybe, mm. but I just to be fair with you, as brilliant as you are, you're not that brilliant. One million dollars, <laughs> right there. <laughs> 
That is a movie that people should go ahead and watch while they're in quarantine. Either you listen to us or you listen to our fellow podcasters or you go ahead and watch Austin Powers. By the way, I hope this episode doesn't turn out to be a Darth Vader episode. I know that was a heralded episode. It's like episode <laughs> like 20 something or maybe it's in the teens. I don't remember. Might be in the teens. Okay. Yeah. Point is that uh, I also threatened to throw Jorge in a pit of gold and hope that he wouldn't swim, that he would break his neck. That's, That's a joke if you only watch the show DuckTales. <laughs> That being said, we are meandering through the show. Look, I'm trying to keep sane in an insane world. This is okay? true. So Absolutely. It's the reason why we're doing this show. Well, that, there's actually a lot of reasons. But first of all, we wanted to do this. And second of all, because it's kind of a crazy time. And it is. I know I need the levity. You need the levity. Yeah, and if you're sure. listening to this, hopefully you need the levity. Absolutely. And to be fair with you, I went ahead and put up on our on my Facebook page and our Instagram page yesterday. I said that the, we weren't 100% sure we were going to have to take a hiatus. I didn't lie. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we deliberated and we said we can pull this off if we do it within like this 24-hour time span. And we did. And we're here. We're recording the show. That being said, that's a, I can't tell you whether or not that's going to be the next week. Whether or not we're going to pull out episode 101 out of our butts. It's true. I, I, I can't tell you that. But we're here. We're right now. Let's get into this, bro. I'm going to ask you flat out. You didn't know I was going to ask you this, but I'm going to ask you. And I want you to go ahead and give me your honest answer. Hot off, take. Hot take. Mm-hmm. Off the top of your head, mm-hmm. tell me, Ross, mm-hmm. what are – I want you to do it this way. What are your three favorite factions of all time and what do you think are the top three Factions of all time. Because there is a difference. And I know you know that. Okay. So my top three factions of all time. Your top three favorites and then the top the, – the ones that you believe are the top three greatest. Okay. So personally – now remember, I'm a millennial. Mm-hmm. Like first wave millennial. Yeah. I was born in the mid-80s. Right. I was born late 80s. Okay. So even though Jorge and I are in the same generation, there are certain things that he likes – that I'm not a fan of, right. and vice versa. There's we a four-year gap. We also have two completely different experiences as wrestling fans because, for instance, I grew up as a big WCW fan and a WWE fan mm-hmm. and then became a WWE fan and then looked for alternatives. Right. Whereas you've been predominantly a WWE fan most of your wrestling That's life. That's correct. Just to give you a quick background, I'll, I'll actually tell you this. Um I started with WCW mm-hmm. and then enjoyed WWF more and okay. stuck to WWF and never went back to WCW. Right. Now, I know about WCW and I appreciate everything WCW was. Like, I started when Goldberg was running Rough Shot mm-hmm. and then I just fell in love with Stone Cold and The Rock more. Okay. That's what it was. Fair enough. So, I will tell you, because you do this very often, Mm -hmm. I will give you two honorable mentions. Okay, fair enough. Go for it. Okay. Now, I may be biased because it's recent. Mm -hmm. I do think the Shield are very high up there. Okay. Uh, That's fair. That's fine. Because of how they were booked, how consistently they were booked, how they came together, how they started, how they evolved into three top guys, even though Ambrose never got to that level. But he's now John Moxley. And then, of course, their breakup was basically perfect, too. Yes. Uh, I will also have, as an honorable mention, Degeneration X. Okay. I was not a huge fan of it at the time. That was not really my thing as a wrestling fan growing up. I can appreciate it for what it is. But when you're talking about, for me, the three greatest factions of all time, 
At number three, I would put Evolution. Okay. At number two, I would put The Four Horsemen. And number one, I would put The NWO. Okay. That's me. Now, is this your top three favorites or is this the top three greatest? Personally, mm-hmm. I think it's both. Okay, that's fair. You can do that. That they, It conjoins. That's fair. That's me. Now, I can go into that, but I want to make sure I give you your opportunity as well. But I had to preface the fact that S.H.I.E.L.D. is probably my recent bias. And again, perhaps DX should be in my top three because mm-hmm. of what they did for that era of, at the time, the WWF. Mm-hmm. Because they were, to WWF, essentially what, or to what some people would say, the NWO was to WCW. Right. I don't feel that way. I feel that they are a faction to be appreciated. They're just not in my top three. It's understandable completely. So if I had to go ahead and do a couple of honorable mentions, I think that I would... Hmm. I think that the corporation... I genuinely believe that the corporation deserves a lot of love. The original corporation. The original corporation. Vince McMahon with The Rock as the WWF champion, with The Big Show... Um, test, test, Shano, okay. that entire setup, uh, Brisk, uh, Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson, that entire thing. Because what it did was get the Rock over as the biggest heel in professional wrestling, not named Hulk Hogan and the W and the NWO, mm-hmm. and it was all that it was doing. The only thing that it was set up to do was to get Stone Cold Steve Austin to a plateau no other professional wrestler had ever gotten to in the history of professional wrestling. It's amazing that the WWF used The Rock Mm -hmm. to get Stone Cold over, even though Vince was getting Stone Cold over by him. Which is amazing, by the way, that if you were to tell me right now who the greatest heel character in professional wrestling of all time is, pretty sure Vince would be in the top five. Oh, definitely. Vince is top three, to be honest with you. Amazing. Yes. That Vince McMahon is one of the greatest heels in pro wrestling history. Yeah. It shouldn't come as a surprise, but he is. Um, I would also say another honorable mention to me. Um, as much as I love the shield, and I do love the shield. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I know this. Um, I'm going to give love to the Four Horsemen. Because to me, they were the ones that started the whole faction thing. It's true. They started it. You know, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson. Um, and then there, there's so many other people that have basically come around. You know, you had Kurt Hennig and then you had the peeps that were in late 90s WCW. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, I can't remember all their names, so please forgive me and please don't take it as, oh, J-Man, you're not really a wrestling fan. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, no, I am. And you guys need to go ahead and back off. It's just there's so many people that I can't remember. And let me And let me tell you right now. Yeah. I bet you can't even name all the people that were ever in the Four Horsemen because there were because there were There's dozens of members. Dozens of members. And Chris Benoit is a member of the Four Horsemen. Sid Dean Vicious. Malenko. Sid yeah. Vicious was also a member yeah. of the uh, of the Four Horsemen at one point. Exactly. Barry Windham was Barry a Four Windham. Horsemen. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Tully Blanchard was never part of the Horsemen, if I'm not mistaken. Lex was, Luger was part of the Four Horsemen at one point. Yeah. As was Sting. Yeah. So. Um, that's true because him, him and uh, Ric Flair, there, there's, there's a bond there between the two. There always has been, which is beautiful. So I would say that those two are my, my honorable mentions for greatest. So I'm gonna do my greatest first, then my favorite. Okay. Um, greatest, um, man, I gotta get. I, you can't. What Evolution did for three consecutive years, mm-hmm. they ran roughshod over Monday Night Raw, and they literally were the epitome of the future, the present, and the past. 
It's true. It's the, the, that's exactly what they did. You always talk about like, oh, this guy's the future, this guy's the past, this guy's the present. Mm-hmm. No faction in the history of pro wrestling ever did it the way that Evolution did it. Randy Orton and Batista were literally the future. This was in 2002 when they went ahead and started Evolution. Mm-hmm. In two years, you had one of them win the world title. The next year after that, the other guy from the future won the world title. Mm-hmm. The guy that was the present, which was Triple H. I think, I want to say Triple H had three world heavyweight title reigns in Evolution. Ah, uh, the that reign sounds of terror. About, that sounds about right. And then, of course, you had the GOAT. Ric Flair, 16-time world champion, as the past, the guy who was grooming Triple H to be the next GOAT, the guy that was grooming Dave Batista and R- Randy Orton to be uh, future megastar, Not superstars, megastars, mm-hmm. you know? So you can't knock Evolution. I don't care if anybody ever critiques the, the, the Reign of Terror. The Reign of Terror did its job. And I'll get into that. I would say that number two... Um, I don't want to be too WWF biased, but I can't not say this. D-Generation X, to me, is number two as well as the greatest of all time. You look at all the people that were involved. Shawn Michaels, Triple H, The Road Dog, Jesse James, Billy Gunn, China, X-Pac. Um, and then they were involved with the, with, um, with, uh, with the corporation afterwards in the early 2000 when, w, when he... Um, that would be the... That would be the faction. The faction. Thank you mm-hmm. very much. The 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 McMahon Helmsley faction. Thank you very much. That's mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. Yes. Um, it's my time. It's my time. <laughs> Everybody remembers that. You know, Triple H, Mick Foley, that incredible rivalry at the Royal Rumble and at uh, and uh, No Way Out. And then number one, um, the, the NWO. I mean, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and then everything else that came along with it. Eric Bischoff. Um, and 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 Conan with with the um, NWO Wolfpack and NWO Hollywood and you know versus Sting and just all that you can't so that's to me the greatest of all time. However, my personal favorites mm-hmm. is an entirely different story because if I had to go ahead and tell you one of my person my fa- my personal favorites, I'd go ahead and tell you three would be the Shield because of everything that Ambrose Reigns and Rollins did. Mm-hmm. I've I, I, as an adult, I've had the pleasure of watching these three guys literally become the present of the world re- of, of professional wrestling. Okay? So they have been fantastic to watch. I would say that number 2 as one of my fa- as my favorite faction of all time, I would definitely go ahead and tell you um I probably see I I would put D-Generation X is my number two favorite faction of all time just because okay. of how dope it was, like everything that it represented. Like NWO was cool, mm-hmm. but they weren't edgy. They weren't that edgy. Because um, WCW always – Originally they were. Originally remember, they were. Remember with all the tagging and all the backstage interviews okay, and all that stuff? That's not to me edgy. When I think of okay. edgy, it's like what Shawn Michaels and Triple H were doing edgy. Like that was like pushing the envelope remember of like also, what could be aired on television. Remember also that that was back when the WWF was a privately traded company? Yes. And the WCW was Turner, was Network, was Turner Network, so there were different rules. Right. But, so but, but, for – okay, go ahead. Yeah, but I, I bring that up because – because of that, I was able to enjoy it even more. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. 1997, Fair. 1998 was a crazy time. Mm-hmm. So I would go ahead and put them as my number two favorite faction of all time. And then I guess I say my number one favorite faction of all time. What have I really, really enjoyed? Um, 
Look, don't lie. I know you have a special place in your heart for the one match antithesis of the group, the core, that being Apple. I know you were a personal favorite of the group called Apple with Santino Morella and a bunch of other weird people. I don't even remember. In fact, it's worth me looking up. By the way, before you continue, Triple H's reign of terror between 2002 and 2005 Five. five five world titles five world heavyweight t- okay it's first insanity. of all first of all he was awarded the title this is true then he, he beat, lost he, he he beat Shawn Michaels for it at Armageddon at Armageddon then he lost it at Unforgiven to Goldberg yes then he won it back at Armageddon like a couple months later and then he lost it to Benoit at WrestleMania 20 and then he got it back from Orton after Orton beat Benoit at SummerSlam and he got he it back at Batista. Unforgiven again yeah and then he put over Batista well no and then remember it was vacated Oh, that's right. And then he won the belt back. Five title reigns. That's right. Reign of terror. And that's then he dropped the belt to yes, Batista. Yes, that is true. But I was going to say that my I think my favorite faction of all time has to be Evolution because of everything that it encapsulated. Like I stated when I was talking about the greatest of all time, I loved watching them. Mm-hmm. I loved watching them. Mm-hmm. Because, again, I'm actually one of the few guys that's going to tell you I'm actually a Triple H fan. You guys know this. A hundred times I've stated this on this program. I am a fan of Triple H. I love Your that man. Triple My H. boy Triple H. By the way, would you like to take a quick guess as to who was in the Allied People Powered by Loathing Everything group? That being Apple. Um, it was Santino Morella. Okay. They were a team for one night. It was April 2011. Was it Beth Phoenix and... It was not. Okay. It was it was the team of Santino Morella, Evan Bourne. Oh gosh. The world's strongest man, Mark Henry. Somebody go and get the ass kicked. And Mr. Daniel Bryan. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. That's right. What was that? 2010? 2011. 2011, okay. Yes. All right, cool. By the way, this was Santino avenging his good buddy. Vladimir Kozlov. Oh, that's right. Vladimir Kozlov was a thing, man. Yes. Kozlov. Remember the world title match he had? Oh, wait. Nobody Nobody does. does. That was was also during that time when your boy Triple H was having awful main events against like Kozlov, Kali, insert other big men that can't wrestle. Is that his fault though or is that the booking fault? Look, all right. Your boy Triple H needed to carry carry the weight. He He did his best. He needed to dig it a little bit further. By the way, if you guys have wondered what that rustling noise is in the background, I'm having some Ritz crackers. He's eating crackers. 3.30 in the afternoon. What do you expect? It's true. Yeah. It's damn true. It's true. Or is it real? It's damn real. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Okay. True was true was WWF. Real was impact. Right. Boom. Nice. So And boom goes the dynamite. There you go. Factions. Right. That's where we're at. <laughs> so now look. We talked about, we talked about the NWO. We talked about the Four Horsemen. Mm-hmm. We talked about Evolution. We talked about DX. Right. We talked about the Shield. Yes. There was another group in there that I oh the actual corporation. That's correct. Okay. Forget the whole corporate ministry, even though that had its successes too. Right. There are a couple of things that each of those groups had in common. That's correct. First of all, larger than life personalities. Oh, absolutely. Okay. You look at Hulk Hogan, you look at Kevin Nash, you look at Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, Ric Flair, mm-hmm. um, Vince McMahon, The Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't really say that about Roman. You can't say that about Seth and you can't say that about Dean. No, but see, here's the thing, okay? Mm-hmm. There are people that watch WWE. Yes. 
that look at Roman Reigns and know exactly who he is. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And regardless of how you think he was booked or pushed or crammed down your throat or whatever, when you think of that group, obviously you think of all three of them and you think of what each of them has taken career path wise. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that that was a unique situation of, okay, we're going to take two guys from the independent scene, which they were Mm -hmm. Rollins being from ROH Ambrose being from Tom Hanzo. CZWGs. That's that. You haven't done that in a while. I know. Yeah, this I, is the, the episode 100 is truly a throwback episode. It's Troy. It's it's Troy. It's Troy. It's Troy. <laughs> it's damn Troy. <laughs> we were just talking about High School Musical before we aired this podcast. Oh, good God. There's also screaming in the background. Which what can true. I say? Sorry about that. Perhaps I'll do the elbow drop off the uh, stairs and hope for the best. <laughs> You never know. Of course, it looks like a hardcore match out here, what's happening right now. Perhaps we'll get uh, either one of the hardcore divisions from either the WWF or WCW. My wife will be the be- well, she'll be the special guest referee. Maybe Crash Holly will crawl into a ball pit. You never know. Although, crawling into a ball pit now sounds like a whole lot of awful right now. Let me tell you. With everything else that's going on, are you kidding me? Hey, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese and crawl into the ball pit. Sorry, Chuck E. Cheese. I don't mean to put you on blast, but good Lord. That's all I'm saying. Well, it pretty much goes for a McDonald's playpen, too. Absolutely. What can I say? Germs everywhere. So, we're on factions. <laughs> so, the entire point is that they had larger-than-life personalities. Yes. At some point, they had either top gold or all of the gold. Yes. And by the way, a faction that neither you or I picked that a lot of people absolutely love Undisputed Era. This is a good point. But here's the difference. As great as the Undisputed Era is, and, they and are. I love them, mm-hmm. and, and, and they're cur- I can tell you they're currently my favorite faction in pro wrestling right now, mm-hmm. but they're too fresh. They're too new. You know, uh, you, can talk, you can talk about the Bullet Club, too, by the way. We didn't even mention the Bullet Club. Foot, 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 for life. For life. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can talk about that, but when you talk about that, you have to tell yourself and you have to ask yourself, why are they so great? Oh, because these other guys were great. And mm-hmm. are they better than the guys that they are um, uh, imitating? I don't, uh, that's a rough word to say, but you know what I'm saying. I'm mm-hmm. the, the Undisputed Era is not imitating being exactly like the NWO and like the Four Horsemen, but it's a similar concept. And the question is, are they better than the original? No. Not to, not right now. They're not. It could in three years down the road that could change. It's true. Three years down the road that could absolutely change. But they're not. But if you had to ask me who the best was at this current moment in time, I'll tell you Undisputed Era all day, mm-hmm. all day. Uh, some people will tell you the New Day. They love the New Day. They love Kofi Kingston. They love Biggie. They love Xavier Woods. You know that I I have a, lo- a ton of appreciation for the New Day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it, you have to think about it in the sense of. Oh wait, hold on for one second. Um, are they better than what they the the people that came before them? Mm-hmm. No, the answer is no. So that's why you have that's why I don't mention the undisputed era. Here's something else that I think is important about factions: mainstream appeal. Mainstream appeal, which the undisputed era will get once they come. What's hurting the undisputed era, and not to make this podcast about the undisputed era, but I'm going to go ahead and give an answer as a rebuttal to that. The Undisputed Era is not on the on the real main roster yet. If they mm-hmm. get to Monday Night Raw or to SmackDown, mm-hmm. 
the mainstream appeal is going to shoot through the roof. But because NXT is on the same level as AEW, as, as people know about them, mm-hmm. right? But they're not mainstream WWE. Mm-hmm. They're just not. Not there yet. So because people aren't... There's a difference between two and a half to three million people watching you on a weekly basis as opposed to 700 to 900,000 people watching you. There's a that, there's an additional couple million that aren't checking you out yet. It's true. So when you get to those big heavy hitters on USA and on Fox, that's when the mass appeal comes through. That's when I think that the Undisputed Era will really take off, but not quite yet. Whereas D-Generation X... Six million people were watching them on a weekly basis. The NWO, mm-hmm. six million people were watching them on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. You know? It's true. So, with that being said, you have big star appeal. Yes. Gold. Mm-hmm. Proper booking. Absolutely. Mainstream appeal. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, we bring up the Shield quite a bit as especially a new age faction mm-hmm. that was, or a new age group in this case, that had lots of success. Because of lots of different things. Absolutely. Right? It helps when you're good looking. It really does. But then, but okay, so let's let's just we'll take talk a, about in, a, in an appeal standpoint. Let's just take a very, very slight detour. Okay. Very slight. Sure. Okay. The difference between the Shield and the Wyatts is as wide as the Grand Canyon. Oh, big time. And by the way, uh, I still will tell you. That the Wyatt family and the Shield at Elimination Chamber 2014 is the greatest six-man tag ever. Yes. Period. Bar none. There's nothing else. And by the way, and then the number two would be would be Evolution and the Shield three months later. Uh was that their first match or their second match? Uh, you could make the case to the to the match at Extreme Rules or the match at Payback. Both of them were stellar. Because everybody seems to think that they misbooked the first match, so they just went forward with what they were going to do anyway and just had them win the second match clean. I think the only thing that they misbooked was not making that match the main event. Well, and again. In the next pay-per-view, they did. So I'll now bring us back because I wanted to make the point of you have two factions at the same time in WWE. Both are successful. Both have a great match. Mm Mm-hmm. But we've turned out three main eventers versus we've turned out barely one. Right? Okay. Yeah. And I love Bray Wyatt. This I is true. do. This is true. And when The Fiend first started and where his trajectory from where he's going to come off of this could make him a big deal. This is true. I would go ahead and make the case that The Fiend started off red hot. Hell in a Cell completely destroyed everything. Completely destroyed everything. Well, it, it, it kind of destroyed it for him and Rollins. Yes. I wasn't going to mention that, but I was, but it's yeah. the truth. Yes. And now that he... I feel like it's actually been a blessing in disguise for them to remove the Universal title away from his possession and now putting him in the, in this feud with John Cena. True. This, this feud with John Cena actually seems to be the most important thing that The Fiend has done since he re-debuted at SummerSlam. To me. True. You know, so and sorry, that's a weird like. No, so 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 basically, to then encompass more off of what I detoured and brought us back to was, mm-hmm. you know what factions do? They win. Yes, they do a lot. And who won a lot? The Shield. You know who else won a lot? Every group we've talked about that's 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 big time players. Absolutely. Okay. So, for instance, in that Evolution Shield feud, yes. right? To me, if you really look back at that feud, right? Shield won the first match. Feud over. Right? Yeah. Because they 
This is a knock against the three guys. It's not meant to be, but this is how it's perceived. It's three young guys beating three old guys. Yes, it is. So instead, what they could have done is they could have said, Evolution wins the first match by nefarious means. Even though they're crafty and they're wily, Mm -hmm. they're the veterans. Absolutely. Then S.H.I.E.L.D. gets their revenge, still pits the shutout, Mm -hmm. which is what they did. They did. Then you have a third match. At SummerSlam, which would have happened like two months after that. And then you have the blow-off. Which, by the way, the S.H.I.E.L.D. would win the third match. That's correct. Then Batista would leave. But remember, that put the wrinkle in the whole thing because Batista was leaving, so they had to speed everything up. Absolutely. But in a perfect world, Batista doesn't leave. He still does one more match. Then you do the turn, which was perfect anyway, mm-hmm. and then go from there. But for what they were given and how they booked it, I it guess was- it's I guess it worked out better that they just won both matches anyway. It did because what and it- and of course we got Blue Tista out of it <laughs> and Bootista. Remember this that Bootista, Blue Tista, Batista wearing Jordans as his wrestling shoes. It was ridiculous. It was amazing. What about those designer jeans? Oh god. <laughs> Heel, heel, I don't give an F, Dave, was the best. It was. He was like, I'm a movie star, why am I here? He was great, (laughs) because here was the thing. When he came back in 2014, like, people wanted him back, but they didn't want him back as, they didn't want him back feuding with Randy Orton. They wanted him back as just back. But they didn't want him near the world title, because Daniel Bryan was was set to be the guy. Remember that... Uh, people booed when Roman Reigns got last eliminated in that rumble. They did. They and that did. was the year they still wanted Dan. So, so what's funny is if Roman would have just won that Royal Rumble, mm-hmm. right? And then they would have had something. I don't know what they could have done, but if Roman would have won that main event, I don't know if the WWE or a section of the WWE universe would has the hatred for Roman Reigns that they do. That's a good point. Which is funny because Roman would have been in the world title match before Daniel Bryan, and instead it was Batista, and they still backed their way into it. Isn't that funny? Oh, my gosh. So that's the... that's the 2014-2015 WWE, what a time. So that's the detour that I'm now bringing us back because we are talking factions, but we were talking factions. Yeah. So we have all of these successes, mm-hmm. right? And the other thing you have to take out from... And I'm, Apparently, there's a war going on upstairs. <laughs> so, so the other thing you have to take apart from this is longevity. Yes. Okay. So obviously, the four horsemen were around for decades. Right. Okay. Basically, the same parts with a few key cogs in there every once in a while. But it was mainly Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, those type of guys. Right. The NWO's heyday was the better part of about three years. 96 to 98 and a half. So I would say from July of 96 till, I mean, realistically, you could give them until January 99. This is a good point. Um, Evolution was, I would say... 2002 till... Late 2002 to to WrestleMania 05. Right, because by then Orton had been kicked out of the group because correct. he won the belt at SummerSlam. Oh, four, that's correct. And then Batista had won the Rumble in that weird finish with Cena, and yeah. then he decided to face Triple H. By the way, that is a faction, and yes, I know this is going to sound weird coming from me because of how much I yell about this. Mm-hmm. That is an instance where I'm okay with two singles guys holding the tag belts. Yes, they were because a group. it was Batista and Ric Flair holding the world tag team titles. Absolutely, and because you were pushing Triple H and Randy Orton as your main and mid card guys, mm-hmm. 
because you don't have a tag team, because some stables have tag teams. The UE, they have O'Reilly and Fish. That's a tag team. But in this case, you have the past, the present, and the future. So instead of making the future the tag team, and instead of making you know the past the mid-card guy, right. that's an instance where I'm okay with Dave Batista and his mentor, Ric Flair, or one of his mentors right. at the time, holding the tag team titles. They have all the gold. They're a faction. It's, oh, well... These two guys wrestled, and their two buddies helped them win the belt. Absolutely. That I'm okay with. And then you look at Randy Orton, who was basically looked at as the second-ever third-generation superstar only to The Rock. Mm-hmm. And you knew that Randy Orton was going to be this, like, ex- like if they booked him right, Randy Orton was going to be this guy that was an absolute explosion of a megastar that was going to basically take everything from Triple H and continue to run with it. Mm-hmm. Um and so it was okay that Randy Orton was chosen as that singles guy. And let me ask you a question. We're talking about evolution. What do you think was the coming out party, not for Triple H, obviously, because we knew that Triple H was a main mm-hmm. man, Ric Flair was a main man, but I have a certain match in mind that when I look at it, I was like, that was evolution's real coming out party that I was like, at this point, this is where they're, this is, they're, they've reached the peak. And to me... It was the handicap match versus The Rock and Mick Foley at WrestleMania 20. Which is funny that you say that because by that point... They were established. They were still established. But it was to me because Randy Orton has had just become Intercontinental Champion like two months prior. And then it was... And that match against Mick Foley that really made his career. That is correct. Mm-hmm. And that was also, people forget about this, WrestleMania 20 was Dave Batista and Randy Orton's first ever WrestleMania. That's true. So it, That's true. And, it was the, and it was also one of the last few times... And then you also got to see um, Ric Flair in a actual strong capacity it was one of the few times because there was i I think i want to say rick flair had two more wrestlemania matches after that it Mm -hmm. was the money in the bank match in chicago at 22 Mm -hmm. um i can't remember if he was involved in a match at 23 or not he may have been in the i don't think he was though so it was 22 that he was in the money in the bank match and of course his retirement match against Shawn michaels at 24 Mm -hmm. so that was one of the last few times that you got a chance to see rick flair at wrestlemania so you kind of had this like there's a specialness to it. True. In a way, and it was a good match. Like, well, that's one of, to me, that's one of the underrated gems in the history of WrestleMania is that handicap match of Evolution versus the Rock and Sock connection. And which, for, and which WrestleMania was that? WrestleMania 20 in New York City. Oh, yeah. That's that match right. Was, that match was actually so fire. Of, so, of course, what's funny is because I know I talk about WrestleMania 20 very often. Of course. You always say that the Triple Threat is the greatest main event in the history of WrestleMania. Yeah. And look, I have no problem saying that. Your boy Triple H, HBK, and Chris Benoit had the greatest main event in WrestleMania history. Absolutely. He put over Chris Benoit clean as a whistle. Now, that being said, I'll still tell you from another standpoint that maybe that isn't my favorite WrestleMania match of all time. But it is. Okay. Because today is the anniversary of one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. I may or may not have put that on our Instagram page. That would be that would be Hollywood Hulk Hogan, the original Triple H, by the way. This is true. Against The Rock. Who you would say was the original Roman Reigns, actually, when you really think about it. It's so funny because when Rocky Maivia came out, he was this sunshine, smiling baby face. Mm-hmm. They turned him heel and basically let him be himself, and then he was loved. So, and by the way... 
maybe maybe Roman Reigns has a side that we haven't seen yet. I know he would have a side because we've seen glimpses of it. Watch the feud with AJ Styles. True. Watch the feud with AJ Styles because there are certain times where the club beats beat up the Usos mm -hmm. and Roman goes absolutely ballistic. What did he do? Destroyed Anderson with chairs. Destroyed Gallows with chairs. Powerbombed AJ Styles so hard through the announce table that I kid you not, I saw AJ Styles bounce twice. Like <laughs> It was intense. Watch the feud, not just the matches, because the two matches that they had were absolutely stellar. If you haven't watched Roman versus AJ Payback, mm -hmm. that was great. Their Extreme Rules match one month later mm -hmm. was Okay, I don't mean to go ahead and be a dweeb, but it was truly phenomenal. Mm -hmm. That, to me, really is a five-star match. Meltzer's just crazy because he doesn't like WWE. Uh, there you go. Throwback episode. This is at Meltzer. My point is, watch that match. You see a gnarlier side of Roman Reigns. Watch the promo after WrestleMania 33. This is my yard now. That was an incredibly heel tactic on behalf of Roman Reigns, even though he was the biggest babyface in wrestling. Mm -hmm. Supposedly. You know, so we've seen the glimpses. If they just let him run roughshod with it, look at the early days of the Shield. Actually, mm -hmm. he didn't talk, but what was he? What was he? A silent badass. True. You know that didn't make him not a heel. He was totally a heel, but he was silent. You know, he was a silent killer who would destroy you, and that's what they need to do with Roman Reigns at some point. I'm not gonna. This is not a you got to turn Roman Reigns heel podcast. I'm just saying when they do it, they this is exactly where they need to go in that instance. But, I'm sorry, I got off of track. We were just talking about the fact that um, you, you need to... The original, the, the original Roman Reigns was The Rock. Thank you. I'm sorry. That's what we were oh, talking about. So, just also, to, because we brought... And I know we're kind of bouncing around people, but we, but we are talking about factions. Mm -hmm. And so, you, you brought up a good point. It was, you, you went for... Peak evolution. Yes. When was their peak? So I'll just use my expertise because I am the WCW guy of this podcast. So for instance, NWO was from July 96 to some people would say, you know, actually some people would say December of 97 is when it should have ended because that's when Hogan lost the belt to Sting. Mm -hmm. And then the fracture and then you had the wolf pack and I'm even okay with that to some extent, but then extenuating circumstances and 1998 for the NWO in general was kind of a lost year. This is true. And then by 99 was the finger poke of doom and we were That's off correct. the races. Yeah. And then you also, what you, let's talk about heel factions for a second, Ross. I don't mean to go ahead and take Which, away Which by the you. way, okay. Mm -hmm. NWO heel faction, evolution, Four horsemen, heel faction, evolution, Heel faction. DX started as a as a heel DX faction. DX was a heel faction, then became babyface, then went back heel, then became babyface again. The corporation was definitely a heel faction. Okay. Shield, when they first started, heels. The New Day were at heels. It's true. Actually, the the New Day started as a babyface, and then they got the rock the Rocky Maivia treatment where nobody liked them, and so they went heel, and that's exactly when everybody fell in love with them. So I do want to touch on that point because why are there so many great heel factions and not so many great babyface factions? Ooh, that's a good point. We'll get to that in a second. What I wanted to say was peak NWO would be Halloween Havoc 1996. Mm -hmm. So that would have been three months. Mm -hmm. Hogan had already become the world champion. They had already brought six in. He was basically on the road to challenging for the cruiserweight title. That's the night Mysterio lost to Dean Malenko in one of the best matches in all of 1996. Please go rewatch it. The Outsiders beat Harlem Heat for the tag team titles in nefarious means. They had 
power. Yes. They had influence going into... Oh, and by the way, he had also beaten Macho Man Randy Savage and essentially ran him out of WCW for a short amount of time after that. That's when Piper came in. Right. So you had this... You had this focused group with a lot of gold. This is true. They were on a roll. They were going into 1997, or at least the start of 1997, with a lot of power, a lot of influence, and a lot of stroke. Yes. So, let's go into why there are not a lot of babyface factions. I'll give you I'll give you one instance right now. Okay? A big group of guys that are babyfaces are hard to cheer for. This is true. I'll tell you why. Because normally, when it comes to wrestling booking... The baby faces are at a disadvantage when it comes to the numbers because they overcome the odds. Look at all the great baby faces we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan always overcame the odds. Sting always overcame the Stone odds. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin. The Rock. Goldberg. Always overcame the odds, and they never had the numbers advantage, ever. Diamond Dallas Page, same thing. Now, I realize he had that heel run in the middle of it, but basically every everybody has a heel run, unless your name's John Cena. And even then, he had a heel run before he became the babyface that everybody wanted to turn him. Absolutely. Roman Reigns has not had a proper heel run. He may never have a proper heel run, but my point but the is... the Shield did. Right, so the Shield, when they turned them babyface, that's one of the few instances of a group... That were baby faces. Now, mm-hmm. remember though, when they started having them win titles. So when Rollins and Reigns were the tag team champions, and, and Ambrose, and Ambrose had champion. that very forgettable U.S. title run where he held the belt for like six months and had like three title defenses. It was bizarre. It was. It's okay. Yes, they have gold, but none of them are, were main eventers yet, right? Mm-hmm. We were all pushing for that. Eventually, we wanted them all to get to that, which, by the way, it took them that long to get them that far. That was on purpose. They wanted to make sure they built three guys all at once. That takes time and planning. So when it comes to heels, right, if I've got a, a just a bunch of guys that just beat people up, those are heels. It's true. So inherently, factions are heels. That doesn't mean they can't be babyface at some point, but unfortunately... For a good babyface faction to exist, you have to have a heel faction. And also inherently with a heel faction, that's kind of feeding the babyfaces. Absolutely. Which, thank you very much for pointing that out. Because you look at the NWO. What did the NWO do? They fed the baby faces in WCW. So for example, they put over Sting, they put over Goldberg, Diamond Dallas Page. Diamond Dallas Page. Those are the three main ones. Those are the three main ones of course. And you can go throughout the history of WCW when you go ahead and pinpoint exactly what what else they did and whatnot. But the 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 main gist of it is that's what NWO did. Look at Evolution, what it did. Evolution Peak Evolution was December 2003 when Batista and Ric Flair won the tag team titles at Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Um, Randy Orton won, beat uh, Edge for the Intercontinental title and then Triple H won the World Heavyweight Championship back in a triple threat with Goldberg with Kane. Mm-hmm. Trash. Mm-hmm. Trash match. But it happened. Um, Do you know what babyface came out of Evolution? Randy Orton himself. Okay. Let me oh. let me, let me, let me preface my oh, question oh, again. Yeah. Which babyface thwarted yes. evolution during that time period. There were a, a couple. But who was the big one? Chris Benoit. Thank you. Yes. And then prior to that, Goldberg. Prior to that even, Shawn Michaels to now, a capacity. Now, 
HBK already established. Yes, now, Goldberg to I, an extent established as well. Now, now I realize that HBK was coming back from the back injury, right. and Goldberg was coming in. He was still the one of the big guns out of WCW that came after all the buyouts, and he sat at home because mm-hmm. he was making too much money. Right. I'm going to make a bold statement. Please. I don't think Chris Benoit becomes a main eventer without evolution. Oh, I know that for a fact. And by the way, this is the guy that, quote-unquote, won the WCW world title in January of 2000, quit the company, joined the Radicals, and was part of that group, Mm -hmm. and was just a guy. Yep. And I say that, and the wrestler, Chris Benoit, was already showing that he was main event level talent, but it took a faction like... The one with Triple H and Flair and Batista and Orton to Actually, get that, him to that next this level. This is true. And even you can go back to 2003 on SmackDown and remember, the world's greatest tag team was a faction with Kurt Angle. And he was feuding with Kurt Angle in 2003 for the WWE title mm-hmm. at the Royal Rumble. For those of you who don't remember. Okay, there was two world title matches at, um, at 2003's Royal Rumble. Scott Steiner versus Triple H for the heavyweight championship of the world. Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit for the WWE title. You're, you're asking yourself, what was the better world title? There's <laughs> World title match. There's no comparison. There's a reason why Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit are absolutely incredible together. Scott Steiner and Triple H, that match was trash. So, by the way, in case you were wondering, the, the Royal Rumble 2003 match mm-hmm. is the one where... Literally, Scott Steiner did nine belly-to-belly suplexes and then ran out of gas. I have nothing to say. But that's the match that always, like, if yes. you watch any of those, like, for instance, there is a there is a video on Botchamania where it's basically Steiner Mania, and they it gets set to music, and there's a counter for how many suplexes Scott Steiner does in that match because it's basically all of his offense. Because at that point, it was he was so big and so immobile. That that's what he could do. Now right. he could do he could do suplexes pretty well. No, oh, I'm sure that's he could. literally all he could do though. Yeah, it's hilarious. Well, look at you. Look at Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar does suplexes incredibly well. But the thing is about Brock Lesnar is he can also sell like an absolute maniac, you know. And people forget about that. That's why I love Brock Lesnar is because he does sell so well for people. Now here's here's something else. Okay, this this is another key thing. And I realize I'm kind of just jumping in to add points to our factions here, but you notice. There are certain guys that have never really been a part of factions mm-hmm. that are big stars. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Stone Cold Steve Austin never was part of a faction. Uh, well, actually, no. Does the Alliance count as a it faction? It does. Okay, all right. Then it Stone does. Cold was the leader of that one. So we got to. So, John Cena was never part of a faction. Uh, I mean, technically, he was part of Nexus for two weeks. <laughs> okay, but no, for instance, okay. Why was Brock Lesnar never really in a faction? That's a good point. Now, Will Ross, he was actually on Team Heyman with the team that was like 2 million pounds at Survivor Series against Kurt Angle and John Cena and Chris Benoit and all those guys. Yeah. That wasn't a faction. That was a Survivor Series team, which was hilarious because I remember Cena was supposed to join that team. And then the A-Train, of course known as Lord Tensai or Sweet T, remember that guy? Yeah, Albert, shave your back. Remember that guy? Yeah. <laughs> That Survivor Series team. But look, Brock Lesnar proved. Mm -hmm. And and now, I realize Brock Lesnar's an outlier because he's Brock Lesnar. Okay, but Goldberg also was never part of a faction. It's true. Well, I mean, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Um, But 
there's a reason for that. This is true. Like, even Sting joined a faction at some point. Yes. Right? And I'm not saying it takes certain personalities, but like, okay, for instance, Diamond Dallas Page was in a faction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sting was in a faction. Lex Luger was in Lex a faction. Lex Luger was in a faction. Of course, Ric Flair and Hogan were in factions. Absolutely. You know, the you, Rock was in a faction. The Undertaker led multiple factions. Right. And then look at all the guys that were in Bullet Club. You know, AJ Finn, all those guys. So certain guys don't need factions. No, they don't. Certain guys, and, and by the way, a bunch of these guys we've already listed today have been in factions. Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, all these guys have been in factions before, smaller or bigger ones. So there are exceptions to saying this person's either bigger than the faction or they have to be singled out because we don't want them to get lost in a faction. Look at Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens was never really part of a faction. He was part of the... uh he was in a quote unquote tag team with Chris Jericho. Yeah, but again, that's not but, a faction. But that's not a faction. Right. You know, for the and I and I mentioned that because I know people are gonna be like, well, what about Kevin Owens? And I'll be like, nah, bro. Mm-hmm. That's no. Kevin Owens Kevin Owens would work well as a leader of a faction, but he would never work well as part of a faction. And there is a huge difference. You have to have a certain personality to be a leader of a faction. The only group that I can tell you that there was never a true leader of a certain faction was the Shield itself and the New Day. And and, and, and now there's two different reasons for that. One, the Shield, all three of these guys were a leader in some capacity at some point throughout the two and a half year run that they were... The Shield. Mm-hmm. You look at the New Day, that was never meant to really be, oh, a leader. Like, I think you could make the case that Kofi Kingston was the de facto leader last year of the New New Day because he was the WWE champion. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's it. But those are the only two that you could ever make the case that there was never a true leader. But you look at the NWO. Who was the leader? Hulk Hogan, always. And was never Kevin Nash. Never Scott Hall. Not until they Hogan. split. But Not yes. until they split. That is correct. Mm-hmm. But the, even when they came into WWE in 2002... The leader was always Hogan. Hogan got the main event slot. Clear, not ki- clearly, you should uh, take into part when uh, when there was the NWO B team, and the leader of that was, of course, Stevie Ray. Duh. <laughs> Come on. Let's not forget. Okay, now, here's another anomaly when it comes to factions. Mm-hmm. A guy that a lot of people love, a lot of people have a special place in their heart for this individual. The factions this guy has been in, have never panned out. Chick Magnet Punk. This is true. CM Punk's, yeah. Now, I understand that the Nexus thing was a temporary thing. It was supposed to help get Wade Barrett over because they were trying to also help that, but also All it did was get CM Punk mega over. Yeah, but you know what? It wasn't the Nexus part of it that got him over because even though he cut the promo while... Because remember, infamously, in the Money in the Bank match, he came out as... CM Punk, the Nexus. Mm-hmm. If you ever go back and watch that match, even though he was wearing his... Wait, wasn't he wearing the Nexus armband? I believe he was. Yeah. So that was the trail end of that. But then there was also Straight Edge Society, mm-hmm. which, by the way, could have had potential, but they just didn't do anything with it. That's a good point. But, that's, but again, that's a guy that, even though he's maybe bigger than a faction, he could have worked, and it never really panned out. Absolutely. There are other personalities of guys that could have been leaders of groups that never really pan out. And so, for instance, me, if I'm going to give my analysis of why CM Punk in a faction never worked, is because by the time he got to that level of being the main event caliber guy, mm-hmm. 
he was bigger than any group he was ever going to be in. Now, the difference would be that you'd have to put him in a group with somebody he can play off of. And I say that because if you put a strong personality like that, it's almost like you have to offset it with, and this is nothing against Luke Gallows, but you have to kind of put them in a group with that level of guys Mm -hmm. unless you decide, okay, let's say CM Punk and a John Cena were in the same faction. Okay. That's similar level of talent. I actually, you know what? When the two man power trip of Stone Cold and Triple H. Okay. That's, that's, that's now that's, you know where, that's where we're going. It's a perfect example mm-hmm. of two guys that kind of played off of each other, weren't really. Le- okay. The missed opportunity that they could have had turning John Cena heel and making he and Orton the authority. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let me tell you something right now. Yeah. In the. In the biggest missteps and missed opportunities they had, they could have had John Cena and Randy, and I say this with all sincerity because this actually would have been a good idea. Randy Orton, John Cena under Triple H's wing? They could have had John Cena and Randy Orton hold the World Heavyweight title, the WWE title, the United States title, the Intercontinental title, and both tag titles. They really could have. I'm not saying you have them hold all of them for six months. Nope. Because that would have, but. I mean, you could have, and that still would have been dope. Okay, but exactly. That could have been a faction that would have worked. Even though you have three larger-than-life guys, you would have Triple H, Randy Orton, and John Cena being this heel triumvirate. Mm -hmm. Right? With Steph. Exactly. Oh my gosh, that would have been the best thing ever. I'm serious. Mm -hmm. I'm serious. I wish... Cena would come back for like a year stretch where they would do that. You know what other thing I think they should cash in on and they probably won't in AEW? Triangulo de la Muerte. That's too fresh. They could do they could. No, I'm saying they could do that. They could do it. Yeah. Because well, I'd like to see them try. That would be that'd be packing the Lucha Bros. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, you talk about playing off one another. Look at let's look at the inner circle for a second. Oh. Right? I love the inner circle. I really do. Clear leader, by the way, Jericho. Jericho. But this is what I love about him. So you've got Hager, who can play off of all the other four. You know, with Guevara True. and Jericho and with Ortiz and Santana. Mm-hmm. But then you have, this is what I love about it. Because you've got Guevara, Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho. And they've got this, like, father-son dynamic mm-hmm. that is hilarious to watch on television. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Santana and Ortiz, who are able to play off of those two, but then are an amazing tag team who have had so much chemistry with one another for like five years. Mm-hmm. And then they still play off of Hager really And they all well. play off of Jericho. And they all play off of Jericho. And by the way, just, just to tell you, okay, because wins and losses matter, okay, mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen Sammy Guevara win two matches in a row. And he's still considered an elite guy because of Jericho. Absolutely. Santana and Ortiz, they're not in the title picture, mm-hmm. But they're still considered a big deal yes. because of that association. That's Hager being the bodyguard immediately gets that recognition. Roderick uh, Strong, for a while, wasn't winning too many matches in a row. But his no. continued uh, uh, his continued association with Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era allowed him to kind of still be looked at, eh, no, 
I mean, it, of course it helps when you're a fantastic wrestler, but people were like, eh, I'm not sure how I feel about him. And then as soon as he won the North American title, you were like, oh, hold up. That's why we still love that guy. Here's another point to bring up. And again, I'm sorry to keep inserting, but these are good points to bring up, okay? Certain factions mm -hmm. are to get one guy over. Yes. Okay, so for instance, when the NWO started, their goal was to get Hollywood Hogan the title and have him keep the title. Yes. Because at that point, that was still in the mindset of you hold the world title, you have power. It's kind of a weird thing now because the concept of power in wrestling is kind of a weird thing. Okay. What, so, was, the, what was the point of the Nation of Domination? To get the rock over. Yes. Yes. Eventually it was to get the rock over. Yes. Before it was, they were playing the race angle mm -hmm. in that whole thing. And it was the group. And then it became rock kicking Ron Simmons out or Farouk. Farouk. And then getting him over. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you had Mark Henry and um, Kama Mustafa and D'Lo. Yeah. And yes, even Owen Hart was in that group to help get the rock the God, over. The Godfather was, is that who Owen? That would be, that would be, uh, that would be Kama Mustafa. I just want to make mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. AKA the Godfather. Yeah. Okay. So what's the goal of Imperium? To get Walter over. What was the point of evolution? To get Triple H over. Not that I needed it. No. And but... by the way, which is hilarious that evolution worked so well because you had Ric Flair mm -hmm. in a group to help someone else get over. That's amazing to I know, me. but when you really, when you do the background of, of the, the reason why Triple H got paired with Ric Flair to begin with was because when Ric Flair, after after he did his angle with, with Vince McMahon, um, of he was the part owner of the World Wrestling Federation and blah, 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 Ric Flair didn't have much to do. True. And Triple H was like, let's work together. Well, remember, it was he and Michaels that really were like, hey, like, come to WWF and, like, have fun again. Yeah. Because remember, when he when he first came in, it was, you know, he was done with wrestling. He had, he had wrestled against Sting on the last Nitro. Mm -hmm. He came in as the new owner, or at least half owner, of the World Wrestling Federation. Came in as that type of piece. And then it was really like, oh, like, we don't know what to do with you. You're yeah. Ric Flair, but you're old. And then... That whole association with HBK and then Triple H and then the whole evolution thing, it really reignited him. It did. It did. You want to know what's another faction that I think gets uh, thoroughly underrated and thoroughly thrown under because nobody remembers it. But when you think about it, you're like, huh, that's exactly what we're talking about. We talk about it's about getting one guy over, about protecting one guy, mm -hmm. the cabinet. Got to go all the way back to 2005 for that one. So but we're talking, of course, about John Bradshaw Leafy. That is correct. With Orlando Jordan, with um, the Basham brothers. Who else? Oh, Jillian Hall was in part. Was she part of that group? Yeah. So what was that meant to do? And I say 05. My sincerest apologies. It's actually 2004. But that whole thing was to keep the WWE title around the waist of JBL and away from... Eddie Guerrero, away from The Undertaker, away from Booker T, away from The Big Show. And not to mention, it also helped the Basham brothers. The Basham brothers became, I think, tag team champions uh, once during that uh, group. Orlando Jordan, he won the U.S. title off of John Cena as John Cena was in the midst of going towards the main event to face off with JBL for the mm -hmm. WWE title. So it's always meant to do one thing but the great thing is every once in a while there's little sprinkles 
that happened with this. The, the beginnings of, De of Degeneration X, we talked about at the beginning, was to get over Shawn Michaels and protect that WWF title. But what happened? Triple H ended up winning the European title off of that. Yes. Triple H won the Intercontinental Championship. I'm going to kill this laptop. <laughs> <laughs> Triple H won the Intercontinental Championship off of this. Um, Degeneration, uh, the the, road, the the New Age Outlaws, excuse me, they were tag team champions. X Pac ended up being um, European champion um, a couple different times during his during his time with DX. So. China was women's champion. Um, so th the great thing is about factions is every once in a while you have tiny little sprinkles that are not just meant to protect the main event player. It's mm -hmm. meant to help the whole group, and it's awesome when you see that. Yeah, and by the way, uh, both can be very successful. Yes, they can. And both have their purpose. Mm -hmm. And also the other thing that you can do is you, you can have a group that says, we're going to protect one guy, but we're really building another guy. Right. Or in some instances, by the way, this is a famous evolution story. Okay. That group was, okay, Triple H is the main eventer. We're going to keep him strong. And we're going to make Randy Orton the next main eventer. Well, guess what happened? Uh, Triple H was like, this Batista guy, he's the next thing. Yes, he is. And by the way, out of that story, which Dave Batista has also said, after WrestleMania 21, he was pretty much thinking that he was going to be the big guy on campus instead of John Cena. And, what ended, and and so Cena went to Raw, Batista went to SmackDown. And they were pretty even for a while. They were. And I understand that part of that also is that Batista got hurt. Yes. Batista got hurt. Whereas Cena got hurt later than yeah. Batista did. Mm -hmm. But by that point, because Raw was considered the A-show and is still very much considered the A-show, Batista was kind of locked into your 1A. Mm -hmm. And Cena was always going to be viewed as a bigger star because he was on the bigger show. This is the reason why you always hear the stories that uh, Batista and uh, The Undertaker were pissed that they weren't the main event of WrestleMania 23. Yes. Be because, I mean, Undertaker won the Royal Rumble that year in 2007. Um, Batista had been World Heavyweight Champion since uh, Survivor Series from in 06 when he beat Booker T. Um, and so it was a match that you were really looking forward to, but WWE decided to go with John Cena versus Shawn Michaels, which in its own right was just, was, was phenomenal. Like when you really think about it, the best match at WrestleMania 23 was John Cena versus Shawn Michaels, but you could easily case, make the case that the Undertaker and Batista was phenomenal as well. Sure. I mean, I think they went 16 minutes, whereas Cena and Michaels got like 25. And in those 16 minutes, it was Amazing seeing a guy who's like six foot ten, three hundred pounds, and a guy who's six foot eight, two ninety, mm -hmm. like just toss each other around like rag dolls. It was fantastic theater to watch. Yes. Whereas you saw Shawn Michaels and John Cena, you had this muscle bound freak who you said, "Oh, he can't wrestle." Lies, and then you had the greatest in ring performer of this generation. Mm -hmm. You know, um, sorry, I kind of went away from that, but the whole point is that. Evolution got lucky in the sense that they got two extra Hall of Famers besides the two Hall of Famers that they already had projected on their squad. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen all the time. 
It never happens. So I have to come in with breaking news that is not wrestling related because it just flashed on my screen. Oh, is it the Tom Brady uh, is going to sign with the Tampa Bay Bucks? For reportedly $30 million. Guaranteed? Or? $30 million per year. Okay. How long is the contract? Uh, the NFL tweeted uh, not that long ago, Tom Brady has agreed in principle to join the Bucks. The deal is roughly 30 mil per season. It, uh, I don't see anything else. That is a very, very bizarre picture. I just showed him a picture of Tom Brady in a Buccaneers uniform. Wow. Bruce Arians must be a very, very happy man today. I love that picture, too. I am shocked. That would be Chris Broussard and Stephen Stephen A. Smith Smith. deciding to uh, be uh, aghast at the fact that uh, Tom Brady is now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. I apologize. That is just big news, though. It is very big news. I mean, today I woke up to that news when I woke up this morning that Tom Brady was choosing not to go ahead and come back to the Patriots. And I was like, oh, wow. Coronavirus is taking over the world, and Tom Brady is leaving Boston. It's it's nutty. It is nutty. And by the way, he's going to the area where WrestleMania just got canceled and moved to the Performance Center. That is correct. Yes. As uh, apparently there's a fight going on outside as well. That's great. <laughs> so I'm sorry we were talking about factions. This has actually been it's actually been fun yes. to do this. Not that we're done. I'm no, just no. saying that. Um, and, and by the way, this is another key thing that I have to bring in, just because they're all just kind of coming off the top of my head. By the way, I have no notes in front of me. I'm just kind of doing this on a whim. Neither do I. I literally wrote, I tried to write out an intro, and then I was like, screw it. I'm going off the top of the dome, because so, we're TDT. That's why. So why do we see, okay, for instance, there have been stretches where there haven't been any factions. Yeah. There have been stretches where I would argue there have been too many factions. Yes. So, for instance, do you have one big heel faction that kind of rules the roost and you have, you know, a group of baby faces that come together and join a group to defeat them? Because that's, to me, the only way a real babyface group works. But even then, the problem with that is it kind of goes back to, okay, well, these guys have a common goal that they want to defeat these guys. But mm-hmm. then these guys have been together for like a year, year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. Their chemistry is off the charts. What makes you think that this babyface can go ahead and overcome these guys just because they have the right amount of numbers? So... Okay, for instance, that's why they booked Nexus wrong. Because... They should have never lost in the main event of SummerSlam. Because Nexus always had the numbers. And finally, the baby faces had the numbers and they beat them. Feud over. Mm-hmm. Group over. Like, that's supposed to be a... Okay, this is what should have happened, right? Because, okay, Nexus, another perfect example of a group, right? Right. What were the two goals of Nexus? One. Get over Bray Wyatt. Or, excuse me, Bar- Wade Barrett. Excuse so, me. before Wade Barrett, their first goal was to tear apart the foundation of WWE. Yes. Right? Even though they were seven rookies, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. They, they wanted were, to go ahead and be the new version of the NWO. They were destroying John Cena. They were destroying the ring. They were CM destroying Punk. CM Punk. They were destroying Justin Roberts. They were destroying Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. They were doing everything. Michael Cole got destroyed. Exactly. And so they had the numbers advantage. And mm-hmm. so they were wreaking havoc. But the secondary motive of that group was to get Wade Barrett over because they saw Wade Barrett as the biggest star of that group. Correct. Which, by the way, there were other stars in that group. Daniel Bryan, <laughs> right? 
But, uh, for instance, Ryback had success after leaving that group. Husky Harris, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt. Yes, but that was the second incarnation of the group. But yes, I understand what you're saying. Uh, Clearly, Michael McGillicuddy had some success. (laughs) 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 Joe Hennig, a.k.a. Curtis Axel. Actually, but you know what? Um, Heath Slater. Had Heath Slater's the only one that's still employed by WWE. No, that's incorrect. Daniel Bryan. Okay. Yeah. Because technically Daniel Bryan yes, was part of that group. You are right. So, yes. Right. But Heath Slater has had some sort of... Look, okay. It is not an accident, for the most part, if you are still employed by the biggest wrestling company in the world. It's not an accident. It's not. Okay? There is some... Value there, yes. even if it's I don't give an s about your kids. Okay, but, but that's the thing though. Like, right, go, go back to before that. Heath Slater got over by saying he's got kids. Heath Slater got over by asking Rhino, "I need your help." And then he won the inaugural SmackDown Tag Team Champions when he was the guy who was a free Usos. agent. And they beat heel Usos, not babyface Usos. They beat. Heel Usos, who had beaten American Alpha, who granted, I think it was um, <laughs> Chad Gable who was the one that got injured and stuff like that. But he it, that was a kayfabe injury. That was never a real injury. Do you realize if they would have done the kayfabe injury to Jason Jordan instead, that we could have actually done the proper Kurt Angle, illegitimate son Angle correctly? And, how, and what capacity? So if Jason Jordan does the injury Angle... Instead of Chad Gable, mm-hmm. they probably see Chad Gable as more of a single star than Jason Jordan. And then they probably decide to do that stupid angle anyway. And then we could have had Kurt Angle versus Chad Gable in a wrestling match. Right. Which, which we actually got last amazing. year. We got last year, but it was uh, not meant to be what you expected. Will you excuse me just one moment? Will you sh- <laughs> Again, there's a fight going on outside. Gotta love my chihuahua. I love mm-hmm. her to death, but she is annoying. Mm-hmm. And she knows that we're recording a podcast because she's seen us do this before and she's doing it regardless. Whatever. That's not the point. Mm-hmm. The point is the Nexus. We were talking about the Nexus. We were talking about Heath Slater being ac- not not being an accident, that he's still the only one signed by WWE, along with the, one of the greatest technicians on the planet and Daniel Bryan, of course. But yeah. that group had potential. Yes, it's it just did. a matter of a couple of missteps, a couple of... Because in- remember, Tarver got hurt. Yeah. Even though they kicked him out, he got hurt. Yes. And I believe Skip Sheffield, a.k.a. Ryback, was got also hurt, hurt for long ankle, periods of yes. time. Right? Mm-hmm. So part of that was it had reached its shelf life, but they had no exit strategy. That's correct. So again, another point I'll bring up. Factions. You have to have an exit strategy. You do have to have okay? an exit strategy. The NWO never had an exit strategy. Evolution did, which is why, to me, they were extremely mm-hmm. successful. S.H.I.E.L.D. had an exit strategy. Yes. Okay? The Four Horsemen just kind of dissolved, came back, dissolved, came back, dissolved, came back. The corporation had, had had an exit strategy. They they turned the Rock Babyface two months after, mm-hmm. a month after Backlash. Which was two months after WrestleMania, where he lost the title to the to Stone Cold Steve Austin, mm-hmm. and then what did they do? Triple H w- took the Rock spot. It's true, right? That was an extra shot. And not to mention, they went ahead and became the corporate ministry with the Undertaker. And even then, th- th- this th- all blew up because the the Undertaker left the group and things of that nature. There was there was exit strategies. Degeneration X mm-hmm. had an exit strategy, which was Triple H joining the corporation. Yes. Entirely and kicking X Pac out of it, right? Unbelievable. It, it, 
it, it, so there are exit strategies. Um, the New Day hasn't had an exit strategy because they've never they haven't broken up well, yet. No. The Wyatt family never had an exit strategy. They were forced into an exit strategy because everybody and their mother kept getting hurt. And by the way, uh, the New Day is kind of at a standstill mm -hmm. because one of their members is injured. Correct. X has a, a torn Achilles that he's recovering from. So even if they wanted an exit strategy, they don't need one right now. Correct. Because they can still do Kofi and Big E as a tag team because they've been doing predominantly tag team wrestling for a while. And Kofi had his singles push. Not going to get into a rant about that. I'm saying he had his singles push. So to me, the exit strategy would be Big E's single push. By the way, actually, let's touch on the Noon Bay for a moment because when Kofi won the WWE title, mm -hmm. not too long afterwards, Big E and X won another set of SmackDown tag team titles. Is so that they the were... first time they had, that all three guys had held multiple belts? Because yes. Because for a while. Because all they did was the Freebird style for forever in the day. Oh, for yeah. the day. That's right? right. So it was, it was incredible to go ahead and see, oh, man. The New Day are Having running roughshod over SmackDown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, what would have made it even more interesting would have been like you either give Big E or X at the time the U.S. title, which they didn't. But you didn't need to because they had the SmackDown tag team titles. And then Kofi was the world champion, was right. the number one guy in the company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by the way, for that during the stretch of the summer, you actually could have made the case Kofi was actually the top guy and not Seth Rollins. Because for a small amount of time, I probably small, agree with you. For a mm -hmm. small amount of time, Kofi didn't lose a match for like five months. Sure. First of all, second of all, during the summertime, the crowd started getting rather. They started to go ahead and get a little bit peeved at some of the things that Seth Rollins was doing. Mm -hmm. Kofi Kingston gained more momentum at that point. That to me, by the time that SummerSlam actually came around. The number one guy in the promotion was Kofi and not Seth Rollins. I'm just going to be honest with you. Fair. Right? When you really think about it in hindsight, now that we're in March of 2020 and you can look back at 2019, how it played out, it is kind of rather amazing. So he held the title from April until October. October. Correct. Now, granted, wow. Rollins had two title reigns, but can I ask you something? Mm hmm what was what title reign was seriously more memorable, Kofi's or Rollins's too? And this is coming from a Seth Rollins guy. I don't remember that. Seth Rollins's title reigns being that memorable. And the only reason I'll ever remember Kofi's is because I wished for months for him to lose the title. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, you look at what Kofi did. Mm -hmm. Kofi beat Daniel Bryan in a really great match at WrestleMania 35. Kofi had strong matches with KO and Samoa Joe. He had two really interesting, cool matches with Dolph Ziggler, in particular that steel cage match. Um... At stomping grounds, which I you agree. actually love that. Ending. I did like that match and then quite he, a bit. He, in fact, in fact, other than no, you know what? The feud with Randy Orton was magnificent. It didn't produce as great a match as what you wanted to do, but the feud with Randy was stellar. I think I know. I know people give me crap for not liking the WrestleMania match with Kofi, but for some reason, I really liked Kofi and Dolph's steel cage match. Even though it ended with Kofi escaping. Probably because you didn't... I'll be honest with you. I think I have an answer to that question for yourself. Probably because you didn't take Dolph Ziggler as seriously as you did Daniel Bryan. 
I think which is unfortunate because which Dolph Ziggler deserves or he deserves way better. Uh, I, I know he does, but when you look at Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan is a legit main eventer. He's going to be considered. He like we love Dolph Ziggler. If you ask me, Dolph Ziggler is a main eventer. If you ask seven other people that are not me, mm-hmm. they could go ahead and be like, eh, I don't know about that. You la- you ask every other wrestling fan all over the world if Daniel Bryan is a Hall of Famer, they're going to tell you absolutely. That's the difference. It's so funny that a storyline that involves. Like a simple like love screw over angle mm-hmm. I actually care about because it involves Dolph Ziggler and Otis. It's amazing how that works. It is amazing how that works. Whereas whereas nobody cared about Lashley and Rusev and Lana. No. No one cared. No. So it makes a difference. And by the they way. Did, they did for a little bit, you know, because everybody loved Rusev. But then when they started to push it down your throat. Well, and here's the thing. Okay. I've said on this podcast before that I've enjoyed Rusev and Lashley as singles competitors when they're booked correctly. That is correct. I mean, they actually had a a couple of matches that were like, oh, okay, they're not bad. Okay, so uh, since we're talking about Rusev and Lashley, Mm -hmm. they have also both been in factions. They have. Uh, Rusev was in the League of Nations. Which, as a whole, was basically a failure. It was. It really, really... It had a lot of potential. And uh, Lashley... Has actually been in several different factions, but the last one that I remember him being big time in was when it was his run in Impact Wrestling with America's Top Team. This is true. Which was was he ever in any big factions in WWE? I can't think of any off the top of my head. No, unless no, because the other faction he was in was also in TNA. Okay, cool. When he was with MVP and Kenny King. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to check. Yeah, but again, when he was essentially the guy that. Everybody was protecting because he was the world champion in that group. It worked mm-hmm. because you built him as a badass who had a bunch of friends that would also kick your ass. That's correct. So it worked. It's amazing how when one guy is booked one way mm-hmm. and it works, and then another company goes completely out of their way to never book him like that ever again, you wonder why people fail. This is true. You know, we haven't touched, and I, and I want to wrap us up here in, in just a few minutes, but I wanted to go ahead and ask you something that I, in this entire conversation that we've had, in a great conversation, it's, it's gone exactly how I wanted it to, and this is, we we I knew we would do it because we're awesome <laughs> like that, but women's factions, there hasn't been that many of them. And in, in, in currently, the last women stable that you can remember, what? The Riot Squad and maybe Absolution. Absolution. And then you got to go back to like mid-2010s when you saw Team Bad and when you saw oh Team PCB oh and when you, <laughs> and you saw Team the- Team PCB. Paige, Charlotte, Charlotte and, and Becky. Becky Lynch. Back when Becky was the, the 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 person who nobody cared about as the four horsewomen. Steampunk. Uh, team Bad with Tamina Snuka, Sasha Banks, and uh, Naomi. Naomi, in which if you listen to that music and then listen to the Street Profits music, you will never take the Street Profits seriously ever again. <laughs> All hail private party. Oh my gosh. <laughs> By the way, I did tell you that I went to a shopaew.com. Their shirt, amazing. Is it really? It's, can... it's on the bottle. It's like, this isn't water or something. It's awesome. Hold on. Love it. Yeah, but he, He's looking it up right now. Shop it's awesome. So, but no, you're absolutely... I mean, realistically, the next faction 
of female wrestlers, they haven't done yet. And that's the four horsewomen. Yeah, they, they haven't, haven't done they haven't it yet. brought them together yet. That's because correct. they haven't done horsewomen versus horsewomen. No, they haven't. Which they may do, or at this point, they may not do. It all depends on you know who she needs to come back. Well, remember they've been wanting to uh, break up Sasha Banks and Bailey for a long time, and they still won't do it. <laughs> That's um, <laughs> hey, let's have that feud and then wait two years and then tease it in in oh, elimination I see. chamber hey, match. Hold on for one second. Hang oh, on. he's looking this up right now. Uh, is that the one? That's it. That's the one. That's, I'd buy that shirt over a. I'd buy that shirt <laughs> over a uh, street profit shirt any day of the week. I mean, we want the smoke is not your flavor. You'd rather have the this ain't water. It's not even the fact that we want the smoke. It's just, as I've stated on this podcast on a multitude of occasions, Becky Lynch got that phrase moreover than they did. Um, this ain't water. This ain't water. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I demand for the next show that I have a velvet rope that I cross. <laughs> this is water, by the way. <laughs> with 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 a security guy that uh, happened to also be in TNA at the time. That's hilarious. Um, one, of the, one of the main event mafia Security guys, believe it or not. I like that. Oh, there you go. There's a faction, the main event mafia. Main event mafia was Ted's faction. Now, Kurt Angle, Mm -hmm. Booker T Mm -hmm. with Charmel. It was it was basically like an extension of the King Booker thing. Scott Steiner, I know you hate him, but he was part of the group. He was. Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash was part of that, wasn't he? And they also had Samoa Joe. Ace what was AJ's and, and Ric Flair's group in TNA? With Bully Ray? Uh, talking. No, that wasn't... Oh, you know what? They were all in Immortal for a while. Immortal, that's that right. Was, that was Hogan's group. Hogan's group. Mm-hmm. But what was AJ's group that he had with Flair? Was that was that what I'm talking about? Immortal? Um, no, Fortune. Fortune. And, but, but, Fortune. And, and then Bully Ray had his group, and it was like eight... The Aces and Eights. Thank you. That's what I was looking okay, for. Okay, so since we're shifting this to TNA, and I know we're wrapping, but I'll just make this quick. And I didn't so, even get a chance to get into my women's factions and stuff like that, which we will in a second. Go ahead. No, no. I'm sorry. Quickly, no, go ahead. No, no. Well, I, my question is, I wonder why that's failed so badly. Because to me, the Riot Squad, I told you how big on the Riot Squad I was. Mm-hmm. You know, Ruby Riot to me. By the way, shout out to Liv. Ross, I called it five months ago. I said Liv Morgan's going to come back. And Liv Morgan's going to go ahead and show everybody, hey, I can go. Mm-hmm. And what did she do with the Elimination Chamber? I know she tapped out to, to Shayna Baszler in two seconds. So did everybody else. Mm-hmm. But she proved she can go. I've told people that from day one. I said, Liv Morgan, don't sleep on Liv Morgan. I said that. I said, don't sleep on Sarah Logan. Can I? Can somebody give me some love on this, please? I, You're right. Thank you. I'm looking forward to their triple threat, I, if it ever I am, happens. If it, if it ever happens as well. Yes. So, um, TNA, mm-hmm. Main Event Mafia. Yes. You know why it worked? Because it was... Oh, by the way, Sting was also in that group. It's, well, it worked because it had a, it had a plan. It had a plan of Kurt Angle was the champion. Mm-hmm. Then Sting wanted the belt. So then Sting was the champion. Then there was fighting. It collapsed. But the entire point of it was, even though it was bringing respect to the young guys, they still had a plan. It still worked. And it was a bunch of guys that have been in the wrestling business and know what they're doing. Yeah. And you know what? It all all these factions at the end of the day prove something which is goes so beyond real life that it's not even funny. Egos, whenever you have too big an ego, it's your downfall. Every single time. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Thank you. Evolution. Triple H's ego got the best of him. Mm-hmm. Shield. Seth Rollins' ego got the best of him. NWO. NWO. Hogan's ego Hogan's. Got, the, got the best of him. You know, Actually, he, he and Bischoff. He and Bischoff. Mm-hmm. You know, D-Generation X, Triple H, his ego got the best of him. Shawn Michaels' ego. 
the Heart Foundation. Which is a group we haven't even mentioned. We right? haven't. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the Heart Foundation. Horsemen, Flair would constantly kick guys out all Absolutely. the time. Absolutely. Because they would be a threat to him. Absolutely. So, yes, that, that's another common theme. The corporation. Vince's, Vince. Vince's, Vince's ego got the best of him, which is the reason why The Rock left and he became... The, the person to bring down the corporation. And even then, he actually never did because it, 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 at the end of the day, egos can do so much detriment to something, it will destroy whatever that stable stands for. Mm-hmm. And man, is that a great way to go ahead and end this podcast. Episode 100. It's going to be in the books for uh, for this delectable podcast. Yes, it will. In which... Uh, Again, I'm, I'm going to be very honest, um, because of the state of WrestleMania, because of the state of NXT Tampa, mm-hmm. because of the state of basically oh, so wrestling actually, in general. As of, as of my understanding right mm-hmm. now, the only thing that's taking place WrestleMania weekend is WrestleMania. As so of right now, NXT Tampa. they're moving NXT Tampa, and the Hall of Fame ceremony is also not going to take place. During that weekend. That was reports that I read. I don't know how accurate that is. But it'll be very interesting to see over the next week and a half. The mm-hmm. movements mm-hmm. of NXT Tampa and the Hall of Fame ceremony. Right. So because of the state of everything. Mm-hmm. We had planned out this episode. Even regardless of the fact that WrestleMania was on the horizon. It was a nice little piece that we were going to do in the middle of it. Before normally we would end up doing a preview and prediction show and all that stuff. But Correct. all of that's kind of in limbo. Because of multiple factors. So again, as I prefaced that I would not make this political, it is the reality of the situation. And that is there's a virus going on Mm -hmm. and nobody really knows what's going to happen. And we may all be in some form of quarantine at some point. So there's going to be some delays. Yes. Episode 101 is probably not going to be coming out anytime soon. It might be weeks. It might be months. We're not going away, though, mm-hmm. because we've decided that we're going to do some cool things on Instagram and on Twitter. And yes, this is going to force me to do Twitter. About time. I know. This is what forces you to do Twitter? It's going to force me to do Twitter. <laughs> and so I've already started doing a, a, It's It's actually been a couple of things so far, even though apparently my access to the Double Turn Podcast Instagram page. We're going to fix that right after we end this podcast. So we're going to be uploading stuff to either our pages, Mm -hmm. the one and only J-Man, Ross the Real Boss 85, or on the Double Turn Podcast Instagram page. Mm -hmm. Some videos, some observations about shows, some information about news, or just in general. I already went ahead and started up a couple of different things. Obviously, I've gone live twice in the last 24 hours. I went live with a Kenny for Your Thoughts podcast, and then earlier today i went live with uh gerard from through the table and i think that that's something we're going to continue to do because it's the only way it's the only way of communication that we have to you guys if you guys aren't going to be able to get our newest podcast as soon as possible so best way maybe ross and i will go on ig live and have a show where we talk about like for 20 minutes where we talk about what's going on the state of professional wrestling at the moment doesn't yeah, have to, for sure. You know, and, and we'll do the same thing with our other fellow podcasters, which who we hope listen to this and just tell you this right now. We appreciate you guys and um, hopefully you guys are staying safe. Um, and yeah, this has been a very interesting trial uh, to have to go through. I mean, I'm working from home for the foreseeable future. Ross doesn't know exactly what is going to happen to him. Right. And so, yeah. Um, hopefully 
in the next few months, things come back to normal. For those who are you, for those of you who are upset that WrestleMania is going to be taking place at the Performance Center with nobody watching, you have to understand the logistics nightmare that would happen if you were to push and delay WrestleMania multiple times. It's one thing to go ahead and push it, say, okay, we're going to do it late April or mid-May, and then all of a sudden you can't do it during that time frame. Then you got to push it back again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I might be exaggerating when I say this, but I'm just going to be honest with you. WWE at that – risking that would almost go bankrupt Probably. because of the amount of money that they would be putting into something that would not come to fruition. So that's the reason why you can't delay it. That's the reason why you have to do it. And do I feel bad for guys like Edge and Drew McIntyre and, um, you know, the the, the people – I say Edge and Drew McIntyre in particular because those are the guys whose fan reactions you were going to absolutely go crazy for for whenever they get their respective victories. Mm-hmm. You know, Edge not being back for nine years. Drew McIntyre finally winning the big one after 10 years worth of him being the chosen one and all that good stuff. It sucks, but this is the reality of the situation that we're currently living in. I, I I think that we need to end this podcast on a positive note and state that you guys need to take care of yourselves. Wash your hands. 30 seconds or 20. Sing the happy birthday song twice or come up with other songs. You know, maybe you need to go ahead and sing, it's the holiday season. <laughs> it's the holiday season. And then you need to go ahead and sing it for at least 20 to 25 seconds. Uh, somebody suggested singing the chorus of Judas. Yes. Kenny did, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Kenny yes. got retweeted by, by Y2J on yeah. that, which I was like, all right, cool. Well, you know he made it. Right. <laughs> exactly. But um, that being said, it's episode 100. I can't believe which we reached this milestone, but what a cool milestone to have reached. It's true. And uh, we hope to get to 100 more. Yes, that would and be lovely. So, and of course, um, we're gonna do we're gonna do something when it comes to um, when it comes to when WrestleMania gets here. Mm-hmm. And we're still gonna do some sort of preview. We'll still do predictions. Like we're still gonna do. The stuff that we like to do on this show. Yeah. Um, it's just going to be different for, again, the fact that our schedules are different. And the fact is that until this passes. Um, Which it will pass. Be, oh, no, it, it will, will pass. It will. Yeah. Uh, it's just in the short term. And by the way, I I know all of us really want this to be over with. But just for my sanity. Mm-hmm. To, just to say the least of just getting all this through. So. That is going to do. Uh, actually, let's let's give a quick uh, plug once again. The Double Turn Podcast, Ross the Real Boss eighty five, the one and only J Man nineteen. Those are our Instagram handles. All right, let's see if I can do this again. You can find our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Castbox, Radio Public, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Anchor. Did you say Breaker? I didn't. See, I miss a different one every time. Every time. And then go check out Boss Ross CDT on Twitter. He's supposedly going to do stuff. I don't know if I believe him. I'll believe it when I see it. Or believe it when I get the text message saying, hey, I did something on Twitter. And it's going to be like, oh, man, I did something on Twitter. And then six months later, it's like, all right, here we go. Twitter all over again. Look, it's okay. I'll put it to you this way. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a better chance of winning a Super Bowl than Boss Ross actually being steady on Twitter. That's brutal. I'm ending it right there <laughs> for the for the J-Man. I've been Boss Ross and this you've has been, been listening. A hu- episode, this has been episode 100 of the Double Turn Podcast, the best damn wrestling podcast on the face of this earth. We will catch you 
on the flip side. Peace.